Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. So I know I mentioned this last week, although, hey, look, it's uh, oh, wait, right there on that side. It's, it's the Middle-earth mixer. He's with us again this week. Uh, really I'm gonna interrupt you because I, I, got, I gotta say again, you know, I, I, I always talk about the intro, but uh, this time I wanna, I love the just that you have like your two pictures and it's like Jonathan Watson and it has you like, <laughs> you know, I have to say, like, hearing, hearing, <laughs> okay, hearing our names <laughs> said by Austin is, yeah, like, it's, it's like, I, me... I, I want him to announce if I ever gain some sort of noble rank in England, I want him to be my announcer as I walk in, um, to, to, to some formal event. It's just the guy has. An amazing voice. So okay. So first of all, I'm not, I'm not supposed yeah. to say his name out yeah. loud. Yeah. Oh, sorry. yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. You can do that. No, no. What's funny is that that like I didn't make any of that. Actually, what you saw right there, Austin did all the voices, and I did the original intro. But I'm not very good at video editing, and so uh, somebody who listens to the podcast, who's a their day job is a, 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 a special effects editor, was like, "Hey, I can do something better." And uh, so his name's Fra. He's part of our Discord chat, and he was like. Here you go. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. So Dude, anyway. Half my content on X comes from people who are like, hey, I made this for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so awesome. Yeah, hey, no, I like, use this all the time like, now. Like, Thanks. Oh my God. Doesn't so it good. give you the sense that like kind of this is what the internet is for? Like this is this is what it's supposed to be like. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I just communities I getting just together. Speak things into the ether. Okay. And then yeah. people like spit it back out in my replies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was gonna say, like, you guys, like, you know, totally like excuse me, aside from here. I was going to say, like, what's funny is, like, we get deep into Tolkien, right? We really do. Like, the, the Aldarian narratives, so few people know about this story. We don't, they don't listen to it much. And I know last week I mentioned the Rings of Power video. I just kind of did it in, in one evening and they threw it together. It has almost 50,000 views now on YouTube. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know how many views this uh, this here has? This is our last episode that I published a few days ago. It has 210. Yeah, 200. 200, not 10. 200 people are like, <laughs> Aldarian narratives, what is it? I don't care about this. Just hate the rings of power more, which is easy to do. But look, it hate drives the clicks. Um, but ultimately, I ultimately, I'd rather hang out with the two hundred that like this video than the fifty thousand that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Totally for, true. For clarity, yes, I do not like rings of power. But uh, but this is yeah. All you really need is a seriously like deep fried and distorted picture of. Uh, Morphid Clark, and you'll just <laughs> true. throw just some tears on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm trying this next one is going to be without Morphid Clark. It's with the Gandalf because there's some Gandalf rumors that came out, and that's going up in a day. It'll actually already be out by the time this episode comes out. All right. Blue, anyway, Blue yeah, Wizards. those those 200 people who are listening are probably members of our Discord chat. So you should you should click the link below and become a member. Join us on Discord. And if you want to get the extended podcast and you want to get the super special hidden behind the locked door discord channels you can become a member at the wondering.com slash member uh first month three four dollars a month after that just to give us that support that we need to keep it going and if you can't do that we'd love a review on apple podcasts because that that tells them there are more people listening to the show and raise it up and we'll get more people and more interactions and more questions it's a great thing so do that we love you guys appreciate it um we are still into aldarian and erendis uh, and this is this is a this is what the episode four of a sixty page story. I feel like we're really 
getting into the details, but I love it because this, this episode in particular, we're all three dads. Now, Michael, you've lived the most dad life of all of us. I've lived kind of the middle range and, and, uh, and a mixer here. He has the, 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 the new dad, everything is like very, I don't know what's, what's the, it's, it's like, it's, it's the, the, the taste is so new and special that everything is, is really, 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 really clear to him right now. Right? He's seeing things, the difference between where it was and where he is. And so I love that we're talking about and Kalime, the daughter of Aaron Disanaldari in this episode. So we're going to divide this up into three parts. There's three parts. The first part we're going to talk about is right after their wedding. So, uh, Mike, why don't you get a start? Just kind of set the scene here where we are right after their wedding, and uh, how you know what they're happy. It's the first yep. that they're happy for, for in, a, in a rare event for this story. There's some happiness for about a page and a half, and um, or maybe not even that. But we've just finished with uh, the elven gifts we mentioned last time. So the elves gave them uh, flowers and birds as their as their wedding gifts, and and a tree. Um, and a tree, you're right. And a tree, which Aldarian immediately started looking at like it was lumber. Um, like... So, so Aldarian. <laughs> and so, um, the birds are these special birds. They never sing the same song twice, and they mate for life. And they're basically going to be a symbol of the marriage, which um, will be uh, rejected in this reading that we're talking about today. So, basically, this reading is broken about uh, broken into three parts, as Jonathan mentioned before we began recording which is the time from the um, marriage of uh, Aldarian and Arendis um, through the conception of their daughter and the birth of her and all the way uh, until she is either four or five years old. I just went blank on it. And, and like at which, four. Uh, four, thank you. And then she gets four because it's five years and she's um, at sea and then he's not. She's nine when he returns. Okay, so we have a time when he stays at home, um, which uh, is, I guess, um, two years after she's born. So then she's four. So it's six years he uh, um, that they are happily married and they have a daughter. And then the sea longing takes him. And um, after some drama, he leaves, uh, promising that he's going to be back in two years. And we all know how that ends with Aldarian. <laughs> so the second part of the story is the length of time that he's gone, which is five years. And so his daughter, this is their, their uh, daughter, Ankalime, is uh, from between the ages of four and nine. And uh, this is the story of uh, Arendis, basically her retreat from the world. That's stage two of this of this reading mm -hmm. tonight, is her retreat from the world and the attitude she, she takes upon herself and the culture that she creates in her home um, in the very, very middle of Numenor, as far from the sea as she can possibly get. And, you know, uh, yep. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You finish. And final stage is uh, five years later when Aldarian returns home and uh, his to his home on the coast um, in Armenolos, and that is uh, cold and empty. His meeting with his father, Tar Meldur, who quickly shoves him out to go find his wife, and then his not so joyful reunion with his wife, and uh, what follows after that, um, in, and basically his, their separation, uh, and uh, and we're going to stop right when right when uh, Tar Meldor is about to open the letter. It's it's a one of these. Meanwhile, back at the ranch scenarios where where we were about to cut to Tar Meldor, who had been left with a letter that uh, Aldarian gave him from Gilgalad. Uh, and uh, so that's where we're stopping tonight. So three stages, 
happiness, time at sea, and the ret- the unhappy return of of uh, yeah. Of, uh, Although that happiness really only lasted five sentences. <laughs> it really is true, right? It's and it's funny. Um, uh, Mixer and I, we were talking uh, before even you, you came on, Michael. We were talking about time and how uh, when you have kids, you become more like you realize how much time is spent with them and how much little of your own time he has. And Aldarion is probably like, okay, we, he got married. All right, I got a little less time. He has a kid. Oh my gosh, time is even. The my time is now taken up by even more than just my uh, my wife. It's now the kid. And then he really wants to leave the sea, right? So it's sort of like he he wants to reclaim himself, his time, right? He can't send, spend this whole time uh, ashore now. He'd been, you know, he'd been he'd been planting a lot of a lot of trees. So there's sufficient timber in Numenor, owing chiefly to his prudence. Um, <laughs> and, and so he's he's like, well, I don't need to do anything here. Like, there's nothing for me here anymore. We got plenty of trees. Uh, I got a kid, so they're sucking my time down. I think it's time to go to the ocean. Uh, I mean, it's Armandalos is essentially like he's a two trick pony throughout this whole story. He does all two things. Uh, did I say um, what did I say? You said Armandalos, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, words <laughs> okay. So, uh, Aldarian is a two trick pony. He um, he just plants trees or he leaves for the ocean. That's what he does in this mm-hmm. in these stories. And um, you know, one of the things I I actually um. My read it aloud. My wife and I took turns reading reading this section back and forth. And she had some funny comments about this story, um, but which I will relate as we reach them. But one of the the overarching theme, this is going to be my arc during this conversation, is I think this this reading tonight is encapsulates what is essentially, and, and we had plenty of fore, foretelling before this, but this is the meat of two people married. Who are who continuously they begin to begin to and bring to fruit the rejection of the heart of marriage, both of them. So both of them are rejecting what really becomes um it ought to be the heart of marriage. See, you made a good point, Jonathan, that Aldarian is is like, okay, he's got a kid and he, the sea longing is growing, he's getting answer and answer, and he's got to go do his thing. Like, you know, Mariner's got a got a got a got a sail, right? So he that's what he's doing. But once you're married and you have children, that's not what you ought to be doing in the sense that that shouldn't be the center of your life. It can be what you do uh, to a certain extent, although there is this inherent um, uh, tension with the mariner's life and the married life. But but it, the center of his life ought to be his wife and child, and, mm-hmm. and as, she po- as she points out, Hopefully, more than one child, because you know an heir. So, oh, oh, hopefully, because they're they're the line is passed through the male um, in in Numenor. So, so that should have been his focus. And instead, he's like, "Yeah, I've given you a lot of years now. I've you know I've been hanging around for five, six years. Right. So, I, I, it's time for me to go." And and that shows the beginning of the rejection of what is really the heart of his vocation, which is marriage. Yeah. Um, and then after he leaves, we see the rejection of the heart of marriage in his wife. Where she becomes bitter towards him, and everything that she ought to be doing in terms of a you know being being a a good wife and also a noble wife, she should be with the court. Like this is she has a daughter that is the the, the daughter of the heir of Numenor, so she should be um, with the court and uh, out um, and and their you know the daughter's grandparents or at least the royal grandparents. And she rejects everything. She just retreats to this middle, this home in the middle of nowhere, 
won't even have any men around at all. Uh, yeah, Middle Earth's first first uh, full blown feminist apparently, and uh, and and that's the um, so so to me that's and my my wife when we were reading it like we were realizing this is this is a story of the rejection of the heart of marriage by both mm. sides, um, and and we see both. So anyway, I laughed, lab, Michael, lab when you said up. that you and your wife were reading this out loud together because I was I, as I was again I had a really busy day. So I was kind of recapping this section of the story on my phone. I had the PDF open on my phone and I was, I was, I had a Jersey Mike sub in one hand and I was, <laughs> I was, re- I was recapping on the other and I was eating and I looked up at my wife. I was like, I think you'd really like this story. You can't, you can't leave it there. How would she like this story, Evan? T- she was like, oh, I don't like you? the story. I was like, there's a there's a lady in here. I just feel like you'd be siding with her the whole time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Which, understandably so. Man. I mean, he's... Uh, How many uh, years have you been married? Is it you were married two years? You had your kid and now... <laughs> no, I'm joking. We, uh, yeah, we... Um, no, my, my, my wife, she... Um, she's a good sport of all yeah. the jokes that I like to make. But um, <laughs> no, I, I think that this is... There's... there's a couple of big things that jumped out at me here. Cause I started thinking about like, uh, I've, I've read, there's a couple of different token biographies and I, which I think his last name's Humphrey. This was the one I was Humphrey, reading. Humphrey uh, Carpenter. Yeah. 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 Um, this is his first name, but yeah, the Humphrey Carpenter token biography talks about some of the, the little spats that Tolkien would get in with Edith or, or kind of the hard line that he set where he basically was like, look, I'm going to be hanging out with the boys a couple nights a week. That's just how this is going to go. <laughs> and you should just get on board. And it, he also mentions the letter where uh, Tolkien is is giving Christopher uh, marriage advice down the line. And he's like, look, if you want to hang out with the boys, you need to let her know at the beginning so she knows what's up or something <laughs> she, along those she lines. She has to I'm know what they're doing, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it kind of made me think of that. And then also there was the – I thought of – the trees kind of in a different way. Cause the first time when I read this, you know, you're reading about all the trees that Aldarian wants to cut down. And it's basically all he thinks about all the time when he's not out in the ocean. And I never thought about how much disdain is Tolkien. How much is he feeling as he's writing this, you know, because of his love for trees, which is something that I didn't think about before. I only thought about it in terms of, corruption of Numenor and and the desire to make ships and the desire to go elsewhere. But I didn't think of it from the perspective of how much does Tolkien hate this character that he's <laughs> writing right now because of the disrespect for the trees. And the third one that I thought would be interesting to focus on was, I can't remember if it was Erendis's mother or Aldarian's mother who made the comment about, um, his Aldorian's love not being truly for the sea, even was, though he says that it is. That was Nuneth. That was Arendus's mother. Right. But it's, it's, it's actually, he's chasing dreams and the dreams are of sort of a um, ascendant Numenor an ascendant and conquering Numenor of, of men going to new lands. But it's something that he doesn't consciously know, which I thought was interesting because I don't, I don't remember if I picked up on that last time, uh, but it definitely ties into this, the whole idea of corruption, which Michael, you and I uh, really touched on the, the first time I hopped on here to, to discuss this story. Yeah, that that line I have highlighted, too, uh, at least there, there's a there's a few 
few few sentences about one is uh uh, so it was that ere long he turned again from forestry to the building of ships, and a vision came to him of a mighty vessel like a castle with tall masts and great sails like clouds bearing men and stores enough for uh, for a town, because, uh, this is what Nunes says to uh, Erendis, I think that is not the winds or the great waters that so burn his heart, nor yet the sight of strange lands, but some heat in his mind or some dream that pursues him. And I thought about, um, you know, the... the you know, uh, that's not the right word, not the catastrophe, but um, how Iluvatar moves in ways we don't move, that, that he moves right in ways that are necessary. So, for instance, we know that by the end of this here story, spoiler warning, that Gilgalad is very happy with Aldarion. He appreciates him a lot for all the work. He's the greatest elf friend, I think, great or greatest. I can't remember the exact word used. And so I think they know that they see the shadow coming and they see that Aldarion, he's a man with great vision. And he's not afraid to take big steps or take big swings of the bat to, you know, nail the guy to the wall if he needs to. So uh, that's a really horrible mixing of metaphors right there. However, uh, and so even here, I think you see like maybe there's some movement you could say that like there's something driving him forward that's necessary for the defeat of Sauron eventually uh, in Numenor. I don't know. Just a thought that struck me that he's a man of great vision and the men of great vision, they do great things. And sometimes they, they, they leave a wake of disaster uh, behind them literally in his boat but yeah well i love i love what both of you said there because what it shows to me too is the um the counterpoint to a thing that's often said about tolkien's writing that he writes um characters that are too black and white there's there's you know it's it's too simplistic yeah. it's no. so when you but when you look at aldarian and his character very interesting because as you pointed out mixer you know tolkien himself there there seems to be an element of some autobiographical you know, relationship between man and wife that 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 he might be inserting here a little bit. Although I know it's dangerous to uh, read too much into that that kind of stuff, um, but it is. I do I do think it's fair to say it's there uh, to some degree. And yet, so Aldarion, he, he in order to to write that, he would have to identify with Aldarion in some way. And yet, he has to despise Aldarion because Tolkien was a great lover of trees, and Aldarion only saw trees um, in the classic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's a classic. Um, Augustinian filter, which is, do you love a thing because you love what you can use it for, or do you love a thing because you love it for itself? And the elves love things for themselves, as showed by their comment at the end of last week's reading, um, that they don't know whether the tree that they've given Aldarion <clears throat> is good for lumber, because they've never thought of it that way. They just enjoy it for its beauty. And, and but, but Aldarion only sees it for its use. So there's there has to be a kind of level that, on which Aldarion, I agree with you, um, is despised by Tolkien. But also there's a level on which Aldarion is, uh, I, Tolkien must identify with him in some way. And in addition to that, Jonathan's point, there's a level on which Aldarion, okay, look, we're, this is the second part of the 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 um, story from today that we're jumping to right now. But he he returns back, and his father, who I remind everyone is the king of Numenor, and if anything, the if anyone in Numenor should be concerned with the place of Numenor in the world and the good of the whole people and what Aldarion his heir has been doing, it would be him. And yet, Meldor won't even talk to him about that. Um, um, he just sends him off because in Menelor's mind, Aldarion's failing at job number one, which is being a husband um, and and a father, and which, fair enough. But Aldarion has in mind the greater good of Numenor. And Tolkien has this very nuanced view of that, right? Uh, Gilgalad tells us, although this is next week, but he will tell us 
um, how much he admires Aldarian and, and what great works he's done. Um, but but everyone in Numenor that we know of, not everyone, the Venturers don't, but besides the Venturers, everyone else seems to look down on Aldarion. It's not even the his, people who matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not even yeah. just the father and his wife and eventually his his own daughter. But, you know, it, it, Tolkien makes a couple comments that the people themselves were, you know, cold towards him because they thought he had done wrong to Byrendis, both in the betrothal stage and in this stage. And so, so there's a very nuanced character here. It isn't, Aldarion isn't black or white. He's definitely a tragic character. And there's every, almost everything about his relationship with his wife is not to be envied or emulated, um, clearly in Tolkien's mind. But he has this great part to play um, that the salvation of Middle Earth at a certain stage depends upon his work. And and so this is not a this is not a black or white character. This is a character that's very interesting in my mind. Yeah, I always think that that criticism is so stupid. You know, when we talk about black and white lines, and I don't know if you if you've ever seen me, but I share that that meme, and it always goes viral every time I share it. It's like a it's a it's a very simple. I don't. Um, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a big uh, X guy, Twitter guy. It's, it's so. a very simple uh, like difference between. Tolkien and George R. R. Martin, and it's mm-hmm. like black and white characters, and then the George R. R. Martin one is, wouldn't it be great if everything's gray? And obviously, it's not. It's not an intellectual like meme. It's just a, it's it's very trolly, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it gets a lot of attention for that reason. But one of the things that I always see in the criticism is, oh, oh, the Tolkien's world is is too simple. You know, black and white's dumb. Gray characters are better. And w- we're not saying that there's no gray characters in Tolkien's world. Tolkien's world has gray characters. The world itself is governed by black and white. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. it's not that it it's not that the characters aren't gray. Exactly. It's that the rules that govern the universe are not mm-hmm. gray. And that's like something that people can't get through their skull and I don't understand why. I guess it's like a lack of uh, well, war knowledge. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I have a different opinion on why they can't get it through their skull. I, I think they can. I think they don't want to because they, they there's there's a kind of excuse making that we do for the gray in us, and and I think that 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 I'm afraid that's the source of a lot of the vitriol towards Tolkien about black and white characters is they want to criticize black and white because no one wants to feel judged for their own actions by the black or the white, and so. And so, anyway, that's my my what I my suspicion. But um, but I agree with you. There are gray characters everywhere in mm-hmm. Tolkien, and the gray is sometimes quite interesting. Like the the yeah. good that Aldarion does long term for Numenor, fantastic. Also, that good long term and for Middle Earth, fantastic. Also ends in tragedy. Also, the seeds of destruction of Numenor are sold. Yeah. So it's not yeah. just like. You yeah. think it's he's a black character, but he's really a white character. Yeah. You think he's a black character, he's really a white character until the white becomes the black. You know, in other words, the doom of Numenor is sown by his by his um, empire building, yeah. and and so it's really it's a fascinating. Uh, well, be, between the love that uh, Arendis and Eldarion had had its black moments and had its white moments until the point until he left. When she said she hated the sea and now even the trees, everything was bad. The men, everything. She desired to look no more upon them for they recalled the great masts of ships. So even the trees had been ruined by him. And she she retreats, right? She says she's no longer going to stay 
in uh, and we're kind of jumping forward a little bit right now, but she leaves. She she leaves Armenalus, Armenalos, the capital. She goes to Amerie, which is no trees, which is all pasture lands essentially. She's kind of I think the house is on the top of the hill a little bit, and she raises yep. and Kalime, their daughter, by herself. After we learn probably the most heart wrenching heart wrenching moment of the entire. For at least for me, this entire story, uh, where Tolkien wrote about how Aldarion left his daughter. Um, we find that. Read that. Do you have it? It said something like, "Yeah, oh, you got it." Yep. The next morning, Aldarion hastened away. He lifted up on Callie May and kissed her, but though she clung to him, he set her down quickly and rode off. Soon after, the great ship set sail from Romena. Burns, pain, man. that hit me right, right. there. It's like yep. he and, and he writes before he tarried until her fourth birthday. It's sort of like uh, I'll make it until your birthday, and then I'm gone. I'm out. I'm done. Which tells you anymore. that what the real love in his heart is it is not for her and his wife. The real love is like he's holding off. He's like being stoic. He's like I'm going to hold off on what I really love, and I'm going to show that I can do this. You're all yeah. your your yeah. loves yeah. your loves your priorities are wrong, dude. And 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 the more children I've had, the more I dislike Aldarian in this passage. Um, so I've only had one. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and, and, how do you feel about him? <laughs> it's you know I I was telling Jonathan when I read this the first time it kind of it, it, you read that and you're like oh that sucks you know it just kind of it washes over you if you if you don't actually have a point of reference and. You know, I think about my daughter and just how much I just love looking at her face, you know, and I can't imagine her clinging to me and me just being like, see ya, you know, I'm going to go leave for two years, but really be gone for five. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's true. Um, It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, (laughs) My wife had this funny line. She didn't know, she hadn't read this before, so when I was talking, when we were reading it together, and it says, you know, later in that passage, it says, and Arendis was not at the harbor to set the green bow of return, nor did she send. Aldarion's face was dark and troubled as he stood at the prow of Hiralonde, where the wife of his captain had set a great branch of oilo. Dang it, that. Oilolare. Oilolare. You got to get the eye, the second eye in there. Oh, sorry, yes. Um, oilolare. Um, but he did not look back until the mental tarma was far off in the twilight. And my wife's like, what? And so I explained it to her. And ever after that, every time we talk about it, she just calls it the safety greens. He forgot his safety greens. So that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what I call it now. They're just, they're just safety greens. So, another, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say another part that I loved was when he gets back, his house is locked. Um, nobody's hanging out with him. And then he goes to uh, the palace and it says something along the lines of, and he received a welcome there that he expected. And it's, it's something like that, like a welcome that he expected. It's implying that nobody was happy to see him. And I saw right. that line and I was like, good. <laughs> <laughs> the line is, he found his welcome no warmer than he looked for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, good. Exactly. I hope you're feeling some pain. Justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, so, what do you guys think of of Ancalime Ancal- and Erendis? Because she's she's raising her with you know no sense of hatred, no I'm sorry, no uncertain sense of hatred for men. At least by saying there are no men, they're not worth your time. 
uh, even uh, uh, the, the old Zabin. crone, Zamin, thank you. She says to him, you know, they're only good for breaking things and eating, essentially. Yep. Um, <laughs> a, bo- a boy said Zamin, if you know what that is. But how should you? Because she's implying there, are, there aren't any men in the house at all. They're breakers and eaters, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one is ever eating, but not to no purpose. Um, we we laughed out loud at the line, they're breakers. Because we've had young boys. We're like, yep. That's basically it. They break things and they eat. And then eventually they, they can do great things, but uh, you got to get through the breaking and eating stage first. So, so um, yeah, it's, it, it, I see a lot of like internal commentary on, on the relationship between the sexes in this, in this uh, um, mm-hmm. reading that we're doing here and, and what can happen when that relationship goes sour and goes wrong. Mm. I, I, I will say though, like one of the things that struck me is that, um, and this is this is maybe picking back a little bit off what you said that I'd never really thought about in, in great depth before, which is uh, when you're a man, it's a lot easier to write men than it is to write women. When you're a woman, it's a lot easier to write women than it is to write men. And so I feel like with Erendis, we only get her hatred of things. We only get that she hates the sea, that she hates men, that she hates uh, the trees now, right? She loved the trees, but she's driven by that part of her life, right? She leaves Armenelos because of the th- everything that she hates, not because she loves anything. Whereas you could say that Aldarion left because, sure, not because he hated his family, but because he loved the sea. And so there's this weird counterpoint between them. And so I, I, I have a hard time relating to Arendis in the way that even the, how she how she says to her daughter, your mother will, let, will never leave you as long as you love me. Not as long as I love you, as long as you love me. And I'm like, oh, our little... Uh, what's what's the word for an entangled relationship? Uh, uh, codependence, right there, right? So, right. I, like, I f- I feel like Tolkien wrote her a little bit. Is that what she said? Flat. What was the yeah. what was the exact line there? I thought it was as long as you live. Did I go over that too fast? Let's look. Uh, do not trouble yourself, for you have a mother, and she will not run away while you love her. Uh, yeah. So I mean, she's she like you don't get I. I and this goes back to the, uh, the last few episodes is I don't get a sense that she loves much in her life. Even Aldarion, I feel like there's no, uh, uh, and you know, we, we had a whole, uh, whole section where we did talk about what their love means and things like that, but I, I don't want to go into that, but I feel like Tolkien writes her as a hater of things and Aldarion in the sense of a lover of, of things. And they're both, their lives are driven by that aspect Okay, so that's account. that's interesting. I take away something different. My okay. I, my takeaway of their character is that yes, Tolkien does lean into her hatred. That is absolutely <laughs> right, Jonathan. But um, what I find interesting is he the the view of their love of each other, and you can see this through the betrothal stage, the pre betrothal, then the betrothal, then the after marriage. It's it seems to be this kind of um, fate, like this older version of love. That was very, it's very chivalric. It's very, um, Le Mort d'Artur, you know, sort of mm-hmm. it, they're fated to love each other. It's their love recovery is described as a kind of longing that breaks into passion every once in a while, but it's basically like a longing and, and, and Aldarian's love for the sea is that too. It's this longing. It does, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem like it satisfies him ever. It's just a, like he has to go out and do it. And so all these great loves are just longings that then, you know, sometimes break into kind of a passionate sort of thing that we would call love, but then, then, then they they drift into into this sort of 
cold relationship sort of uh, view of things. It's very yeah. interesting. It, it struck me actually as very sort of British aristocratic, like this is a aristocratic a story of aristocratic love and the whole cold structure around royalty and the noble life, which does not engender warmth in relationship. Like you just look at, I mean, do a open the news and search for Harry and Megan and you can find out or, or, or Diana um, and you can find plenty of, uh, cautionary tales in that regard and yeah. and so it's just a it's it's an interesting uh take on things um on on love itself which it, to me seems i i don't see that arendis is only a hater but i do think that this is a tragic story so he's going to focus on the flaws sure. and both both arendis and aldarian ultimately choose to view the world through what has has been done to me versus what do I reach out to? It's all it's a it's an eye turned inward on themselves and their own honor and the, the 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 slights that have been done to them by their spouse or by other people and and um the very mm -hmm. it's a very sort of tragic almost semi narcissistic picture of what can happen with these with two people. I'm anyway, I'm probably reading too much into it. Probably too much psychoanalysis, no, but I think that was great. I um I definitely have a lot more empathy for Arendis in this in this story I think I don't know like Jonathan like you said the idea of like being a new dad is so fresh and so um vibrant in my mind right now that the idea of departing right now at this moment which I feel I mean she was four in the story but it would be a similar situation so I, I feel very connected in this in a in a level of visceral disgust um, that's very high. So I, I, I feel like I'm more apt to feel bad for Arendis. Um, but I think when she becomes, she starts to become a bad behaving character when yes, you know, you are the victim here, you've been wronged, but now she's not loving her daughter because Michael, you made a great point. Her daughter still has to be a part of the Royal process of, of Numenor. And, and even if she didn't, you know, you're still actively trying to take away the opportunity for your daughter to have yeah. a meaningful and uh, fulfilling relationship with another person, whoever that person may be. Um, if you're training her up to hate men, you know, you are essentially attempting to take that away from her and make yeah. her as jaded and as cynical as you are. Yeah, you're warping, uh, you're warping her is what you're doing. And, and I'm going to quote two lines, which are from Ankali May to Aldarian, her father. One four-year-old on Kalime and the other nine-year-old on Kalime. Four-year-old on Kalime, right before he leaves, she laughed and was merry, though others in the house were not so. And as she went to her bed, she said to her father, where will you take me this summer, Tatiana? Which is apparently a, you know, a, a, what's the name term for endearment. Yeah, it's a term of endearment. There's another name for that. But yes, for, for her father. I should like to see the White House and the Sheepland that Mamil tells of. So that's four-year-old. Uncle May, nine-year-old Uncle May. Who are you? She said, and why do you bid me to rise so early before the house is stirring? And before that, it says she stood erect and stiff as her mother, and made him no courtesy as he dismounted and came up the steps towards her. So in five years, she's forgotten him entirely, and um, and and her manner is completely different. She has become like a little mother, like her mother, a miniature version of her mother. And so there's a warping there, like her mother has warped her. Um, and and uh, yeah, I'm not saying that Aldarian doesn't doesn't deserve scorn for what he's done because he does. 
but two things can be true at once. He can deserve scorn, and his mother can have done the wrong thing in warping their daughter. So, and I think that's what's happening there. What do you think about the the point that as much as she tried to warp on Kali May, he smiled within for he saw there a child of his own rather than a Verandis for all her schooling. And so even then, just in that short, when he comes back, that short time on the steps of their house in Marier, uh, he sees a child, his child rather than Arendis's child. So right. So that. Yeah, tip to the uh, tip of the hat to the noble character that Tolkien, uh, you know, alludes to quite a bit with Aragorn throughout his. And you know, the the house of the royal house of Numenor has a lot of that from their elven heritage. Um, there were that that the echoes of that elven heritage and that nobility can be seen, and I think that's worse. We're seeing that here, but but it's shallow. Um, Aldarian he doesn't even smile outwardly. Like how pathetic is that? Like okay, so he sees in her him great. And he doesn't show it, and he doesn't give her anything. He just, again, uh, he does two things in, in life. He plants trees, and he leaves. And so that's what he's doing now. He leaves. He leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's at this point that uh, she wept from grief, but still she more being from horrendous. She being horrendous, not on Colin Mel. And Colin went back right. to bed because she was tired. Uh, <laughs> she wept from grief but still more from anger. She had looked for some penitence that he might extend. She was still hoping, in a way, that maybe he'd he'd ask forgiveness, but uh, he knew it was too far gone at this point, right? That he didn't even acknowledge that he was her father. He's like, I'm just a messenger from our Menelos. Uh, and so that was the complete, you know, that was the final abandonment of his family at this point. Yep. It was, it was all yep. over. Um, <clears throat> moments worth mentioning uh, as well. He had brought back a gift of, of a ruby ring, it looks like, f- from um, Gilgalad, mm. and gives it instead to the wife of his um, his uh, good friend and venturer who went on with him. Um, Ulbar. Ulbar. Yeah, yeah. Ulbar. Love that and name. so obviously intended for his own wife, but he, he uh, gives it to her. To her instead, not as a way of trying to trying to ingratiate himself with her, but just as a way of ridding himself of the gift that he had um, um, for his wife, who who he has now abandoned in in thought as well as in person. He'd abandoned her in person for a long time, but now now in thought. And uh, the other honorable mention moment, which I just was <laughs> totally random and I thought was funny, was Tolkien, a philologist's uh, sense of humor. He, he he points out that when this massive ship is being built, the first name given to it is Turufanto, the wooden whale. <laughs> <laughs> Turufanto, the wooden whale. The, yeah, the wooden whale the, they called it, but that, but was, that not was not its not name. name. <laughs> <laughs> such a such a philologist joke. Like, huh, let's laugh at a, a name that someone gave a ship that we'll never again mention. So, yeah, it reminds yeah, me of that. What, remember, let me let me let me bring this up here. And another thing I appreciated about that was that you know if you go back and read that, you you don't find out its name until like a I think like a page and a half later. Uh, it just it gives you the wooden whale, and then it's like, but that is not its name. And then it just keeps going, and you're like, well, yeah. wait, what, mentally what's you're name? like, what is its name? <laughs> what is its name? <laughs> right there, yes. the wooden whale. Remember? Yes, we, it is. We've, we've seen this. Yes. <laughs> The meme of the huge I'm so Numenorean glad ship. we went through a whole we didn't get through a whole episode without making fun of Rings of Power Rings of anymore. Power. Well, we started early with it, we can end with it too. 
<laughs> yeah, it occurred to me that they they mentioned this boat here, this ship, like this massive ship. Like I'm thinking, you know, we have enormous car cruise ships that are you went like 40 stories tall now like underwater and above water they're huge i don't know I they're don't disgusting they are kind of disgusting displays of just the, but the downfall of society the, well they're they they are our our towers of babel right we we they're they're the thing that we can do for proving we can do it on the water too yeah but here he's building one and there was a blueprint for the show that said like no 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 these ships are actually supposed to be pretty massive they're, they're supposed to be these huge sailing vessels that would dwarf anything else in the sea. And, yep, we did. <laughs> Apparently, that's how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, another part I liked a lot was uh, you should uh, make your own bed before trying to change the world. Or, I mean, you should uh, uh, let a king first rule his house well ere he correct others. Another Jordan Peterson <laughs> reference. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I was like, like, and, and that's like he's. <laughs> you need to pick up your room, Aldarian. <laughs> you should go bloody home. What are you doing, Bucko? <laughs> so glad you guys leaned into that. Oh man, but yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he tells him like, we love Jordan Peterson, home. don't we, folks? And we love Freedom Tunes. Yes. So there's that. Um, so yeah, I like, I like that. And then they, they have that interchange of like, where is my home? It's like where your wife is. And then he goes home and he's like, he's like, well, I came here and, uh, to, to, to find my wife. Apparently I don't have one anymore, but I still have a daughter. Right. And so he's like, well, I don't have a home with you. That's, that's, so I like that sort of, sort of through point of like your home is where your wife is. And then he says, I just don't have a wife anymore to her. Um, I, I, I really liked, accurate. you know, I like that line for multiple reasons. Um, your home is where your wife is because, you know, one, that's just, that's just a, a beautiful perspective. You know, your, your home is where the people that you have to, you're responsible for taking yeah. care of are. Yeah. Uh, but also it's true to Aldarian's character in a, in a much more surface level way, because, if you think about it, the whole story, his life in Numenor, he really didn't have a home. You know, if anything, he liked to live on his stupid little houseboat. So, <laughs> you know, that statement is like really more That's... true for him than anybody else in Numenor. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, what what home, dude? You don't even care about your house that you were living yeah. in. So it might yeah. as well just be wherever your wife is at. So I thought yeah. that That's, was That's a good point. I, I do. I am going to finish by reading the most the the most passive aggressive set of sentences that i've ever read in by, from tolkien which are the two the the final conversation between um, aldarion and arendis in this reading and um which includes the line that you have re referenced jonathan but uh but i i i see in it both sides i see the boat because she it starts out with arendis's so this is after Aldarian has slept in the guest room. So she's relegated him to the guest room, basically telling him you aren't sleeping in the marriage bed. So you're, you're, you can sleep on your mm -hmm. own. And, and, um, and he doesn't say that he, that he doesn't have a wife at that point until after that. So, so right. then he wakes up in the morning and he gets ready to leave early and he's greeted at the door by Randy's who were told was up all night, which implies the, like this whole thing where they both kind of want to be, go back to marriage, but they can't get over themselves to do it. And then she says, "Here are the, the the lines just like you can hear the the venom and the and the passive aggressive nature in, in both of these um, her her lines and his response. You leave more promptly than you came, my lord," she said. 
I hope that being a mariner, you have not found this house of women irksome already to go thus before your business is done. Indeed, what business brought you hither? May I learn it before you leave? <laughs> it's so cold. It's like, oh my gosh. Uh, and his response was, I was told in Armenolos that my wife was here and had removed my daughter hither, he answered. As to the wife, I am mistaken, it seems. But have I not a daughter? I was like, dude, dude oh, like oh, your yeah. your life, your marriage is over. These two sentences, you have ruined have have ruined everything but from both of you. I mean, like it's just basically she's she's, you know, accusing him of basically which I mean She's slightly more in the right here than he is, although she did make it clear that we're not married anymore by denying him his his own room and his bed, um, it, it, at least in practice. And so it, it is just I was like ooh, the, the the temperature just like drops twenty degrees yeah. in the room. Yeah. 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 And I, well, you finished the, the last line too. Is having not a daughter? You had one. You had one some years ago, but my daughter has not, has yet, not risen. yet risen. Yeah, like she she makes the Boom. point. It's not your daughter my daughter and so like you're going to lean into this whole marriage is over thing well i'm just going to double down and uh and start signing the papers yep so yeah yeah um yeah All right. hey i want one other last thing i wanted to point out well i don't know i don't know uh, you weren't here last week evan we were talking about it uh in the wedding they're given the, the elves come right and our my assumption was it's the elves from middle earth that came to his wedding because that's who he was uh that's that, that's who he was spending time with and gilgalad was there but I think now, after reading a little bit more in here, I th- really think it's the elves from Valinor, from Tolerse, mm. right? From the, the, the because the birds, when they leave here, which way do they fly? They fly west. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's really the elves uh, from the Undying Lands that came and visited them because they had they still had relations, right? They still they would still sometimes come. I just come. assume that just because they would they would come there every once in a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right. that's a good point. Never noticed that before. Right. And also they um the elves ha- have to explain both the tree that they give as a present, the flowers, and the birds, which since he's been to Middle Earth. Oh, that's um, a good point too. He, he would have known about that. He's he's been cavorting with elves in Middle Earth anyway. So mm. it would have been the to- elves from Toler say a bringing um plants mm. and beasts unknown to the to the Numenorians. That's a good point. All right, guys. Whew. Man, it's getting deep into an unfinished tale. And then we're going to finish it. So Prove next, it again. We can we can drag out Sadly. even five pages into a long discussion. <laughs> there's so it's so there's so much in here. I mean, th- this is like you know a full season or two on HBO for this series, right? You, the, everything that's going on here could be just drawn out and and made completely gray, so that George R. R. Martin would love it. uh all right next week we're going to uh read up to the point that says uh the further part the further course of the narrative uh which is the final section that is sort of the final section that is prose and the rest has notes from uh christopher tolkien so we'll read up through that point and then we'll do one more episode after that and maybe even one more talking about like what would this story have looked like that they would have tried to finish it and, and uh go out go out to there so uh everybody thanks for listening Mixer, thanks for joining us. We are yeah, going to go into our we are going to go into our extended podcast. Uh, so we hope you join us there. If you want to hear that, everybody, got to become a member. Thorner.com slash member. I'm a broken record, but they say you have to say something like a dozen times before people start remembering it. So I'm just going to say it. 12 times right now. Uh, go to the one. No, I'm joking. Just go to the one. <laughs> slash member. Become a member. And we'll see you on the other side.